Welcome to Poltergeist and Pixie Dust, the horror movie survival podcast with a happily ever after twist, where a logical thinker and a whimsical dreamer help you survive scary movies without losing any sleep. logical one of our pairing. Hi, I'm Kelly. I am the whimsical one. And this week we are watching the 2022 horror film Smile. Here is the IMDb description. After witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, a psychiatrist becomes increasingly convinced she is being threatened by an uncanny entity. I would have described this movie differently. How would you have described it? A woman survives a traumatic childhood experience in the loss of her mother mm-hmm. and in turn becomes a psychiatrist to try to help others mm-hmm. who are having mental distress, mm-hmm. um, largely due to her experience as a child. Okay, it's a really long description. Continue. <laughs> I, just, I feel like the traumatic background is important in the film description because it even starts with that trauma. It starts with the image of the mother dead on a bed. I mean, like you you get that from the beginning. So I feel like that is important. That's the background of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you know right away that the girl who was at the doorway is the right. psychiatrist. <clears throat> I don't know. So yeah, I would, I would need a minute to write it, but <laughs> I would incorporate the... The trauma and the fact that the protagonist is a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. based not solely, maybe, but largely on her own childhood trauma and the loss of her mother to suicide. All right. I I would just I think that's important enough to include in the synopsis. All right. Fair enough. We'll have to write to IMDb. (laughs) <laughs> we could just add our own we're going to have to make an IMDb account oh jeez alright I decided it's not worth it okay yeah so like you said we open the movie with the mother dead already you see all like more pill bottles than I've ever seen in my life <laughs> all over the room yep it was clearly set up to give you the impression of suicide right away yep um and you see somebody who the assumption there is made immediately that it's her daughter because right. you see a, a child uh, in the doorway. And then immediately um, it turns into a dream sequence and the protagonist wakes up and she has the same birthmarks on her face and uh, and clearly makes that connection there that she is either dreaming about the death of somebody Mm-hmm. Um, or it's, it's a memory and she yeah. actually lived through this. Right. Um, we find out quickly that she is a doctor. She works in a hospital. Um, I think we first see her with that guy, Carl. Yeah. Uh, cause he's muttering to himself. Right. And uh, he keeps saying like, she's going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And no one matters. Right. Those those are the things that he's repeating over and over again. Um, yeah. And it does set the tone because you're getting these 
you know, messages coming in from different characters. Um, you're getting a very, you know, kind of creepy, ominous vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also kind of, it does set the tone for like the unpredictability. Right. Faces can, you know, people can change, tone can change um, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that seems to always build up. Right. It's just a sudden turn. And that it does give you some jump scares. I, I certainly jumped <laughs> a lot. This movie had so many jump scares, but I didn't feel like they were cheap jump scares. No, they were legitimate. They were so good. I mean, and I jump, I jump a lot in all horror movies. <laughs> um, so I, I will admit this one made me jump a lot. There were a couple of scenes. I did cover my eyes, but I, I looked between my fingers, but I, I did cover my yeah. eyes in more than one scene. And no. I remember looking at you I can't watch. I can't see this. I can't see this. <laughs> you know it's coming, but you, yeah, and you're not sure exactly what, but it's... And it's still so scary when it happens. It checked every box for my, my scary things, too, with, like, reflections. It had uh, face changes oh, yeah. things that shouldn't be on faces mm-hmm. things like that uh and then voices creepy voices it had yeah. them all this is a this is a rough one for me so this was a treat <laughs> this is something the trifecta oh let's watch smile yeah they said it'll I did. be fun they said <laughs> <laughs> and it starts out in a psychiatric order right uh yeah you should have known that i should have known then this is this is going to take a turn right um I wrote down, this is the the first movie out of all these scary ones we're watching where I wrote down more quotes from the movie, I think, than I ever have. Oh, really? Because there were a lot of lines in there. And this, you know, this starts right from the beginning with Carl and muttering and, and doing that. But also um, her reaction to it immediately is it feels real, but it can't hurt you. Right. She says that to him. She says that to the patient, mm-hmm. Laura, who comes mm-hmm. in next. She has used that phrase a couple of times. Yeah. And that also kind of sets a tone as she starts to feel like she's losing her mind and things right. are deteriorating. Um, that she doesn't necessarily have that person who's with her to tell her, you know, it's okay and this isn't real and and listening to her. Um, right. She even says it when she's sitting talking to her therapist mm. that the things she's feeling, the things that she's seeing feel. So even though she knows it's not real, it just feels so real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's for sure a theme throughout. Right. It's, you know, being heard, being believed. Um, it definitely had to do with with mental health. It had to yep. do with uh, and people's reaction to um, when some of these mental health deteriorates. Yeah. Uh, whether it's their own reaction or, or somebody else's reaction to their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and trauma was another big one. So trauma that all of these people who are being inflicted you mm-hmm. know, with this monster or whatever is happening to them, each one of them has witnessed a suicide uh, or death right. of another person. Right. Um, interestingly enough, the protagonist witnessed a suicide as a child. Mm-hmm. And did not have this. She was just haunted by her own guilt her whole life. Yep. But wasn't haunted by this actual creature uh, until she witnesses the suicide and death of one of her patients. Right. Um, So so that comes up pretty quickly. She sees uh, Dr. Desai, Mm -hmm. who is Kumar from Harold and Kumar. 
go to White Castle. And anytime I see Cal Penn, I just get so excited. I love him. <laughs> I love everything that he does. He had a good role in this one, too. Not a big role, but right. I liked him in this. I liked him, too. And he, you get the impression very quickly that Rose, Dr. Cotter, is a workaholic. Um, she worked the overnight shift and is still working. And Dr. Kumar is like... It's Desai. Mm. Okay. Dr. Kumar oh, yeah. uh, is like, you're not still here from the overnight shift, are you? And she's like, uh, I was just leaving. And she goes to her office and she gets her stuff. Here's the one thing I would have done differently. <laughs> <laughs> she gets her stuff. She leaves. She's out the door. Door closes behind her. The phone starts ringing at her desk. And this idiot turns around to answer the phone and that's the call that sends her to go and meet this patient Laura. I was not happy that there was a patient named Laura uh-huh. in this. That How did that make you feel? <laughs> Creeped out. <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh-huh. I don't like it. I don't think that's, it was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did it on purpose to hurt you. They did. It was very personal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so she... Is I agree with you. Absolutely a workaholic. They do mention um, at some point in the film that she has been working 80 hour weeks for months. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. To that's on. way too much. Yeah. So between that and you do see her, you see her drinking at the night, at night, but it doesn't seem to be a problem. Like they, right. I don't really know why they were introducing that so much that they were focusing on the fact that she was pouring like a glass of wine right. and putting the bottle back or, or a couple of small glasses of wine. It wasn't like Sinistar where he had a bottle of you know whiskey or something right. out constantly. Right. The whole movie. Yeah. So in both times that she had wine, she ended up dropping and breaking the glass. Yeah. Um, so that was an interesting, I uh, wasn't quite sure what the symbolism was there and, and why they were doing that. Yeah. Is it shattered? Is it just the breaking apart of her mind? I mean, what's the... Am I reaching too far? <laughs> Maybe. I just saw it as like she's just trying to calm her nerves. Okay. And they just cannot be quelled. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. So, we meet yeah. Laura, who is a PhD candidate. Uh, and she insists she's not crazy. But in the same breath says, but I am seeing things. <laughs> But she is a PhD candidate who has recently witnessed the suicide of her professor. Right. And he killed himself with a hammer. Yeah. So this had to be bloody and traumatic. And she was the only witness. Yep. So now whatever is carrying with her. Like, so it sounds like something has now been passed on to her. And she is explaining that she is seeing things. Mm -hmm. Um, She is seeing something that no one else can see. Uh, it looks like people. It appears as different people. Yep. But they have this terrifying smile. Yeah. She's saying sometimes it's people that she knows. Um, and it, what did I say? Oh, it wears people's faces like masks, but it has this malevolent smile on its face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It just sounds so creepy the way she describes it. Right. Um, and she says like... It's trying to kill me and nobody will listen. And the only one in there with her right now is Rose. The session's being recorded, we find out, but Rose is the only one in the room with her. So she is the only 
physical witness to what's going to be happening. Right. Um, and that's when Laura is attacked by something that is unseen. Yep. Um, and the next time that Rose looks up and sees her, she has that complete um, malevolent smile across her face. And she takes a piece of a broken, um, I think it was a broken vase. Or yeah, something I think that so was there. She takes a piece of that and she cuts her own face and throat and has all this blood coming out. And it's very gruesome. And the smile never leaves her face. Right. Even after she's death, the smile is still stuck on her face. Yep. And that's when the intro comes up for the movie. Right. <laughs> so we've seen all of this and have witnessed a suicide from her mother. We've witnessed Carl's breakdown. We've now seen Laura being a little insane and then taking her own life. And now we get the opening credits. Mm -hmm. That's a heavy opening. <laughs> yeah. So I have this note here that Laura says that. So, yes, she saw her professor kill himself in front of her. But she also mentions that she saw her grandfather die in front of her when she was a kid. She did. And so I immediately said, well, wait, Rose found her mom dead. Is she susceptible to whatever this is? So thank you. First page. High five. Me. Good job. Hogan, come high five me. So now we follow Dr. Cotter home. Yep. Oh, I did make a note that the intense music when they introduced the film, uh, it was intense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, uh -huh. So now we're home. She's a cat person. Blah. Wait, didn't she hit the cops first? Or oh, wow, I didn't take any notes on that. I only had one. I, cops. I yeah, she sounds home. fucking crazy to me. So you're getting kind of like that third person outside view. Yep. Um, and whatever she says, however she's describing her, the cops continuously say, yeah, Laura sounded, you know, fucking crazy. Mm. Um, I say that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I just, I just ignore. Uh, <laughs> and then as she's going home, this is the first time I noted the use of the camera angles that it would do upside down. Upside down. I liked that a lot. Yeah. And they did that a couple of times mm -hmm. as they're traveling, but they, they did that. So they changed camera angles and did some upside down uh, while she was driving home. And my comment when she got home, why is every light not on? <laughs> every single light would be on in my home. Every light. And yeah, she's a cat person. I would have picked up a dog on the way home. I mean, there's <laughs> a big one, a very big one. Uh, and she named her cat mustache. Yeah. There was no backstory on that. And I felt like we should have gotten an explanation. I didn't like it. Um, and she sees uh, she I'm assuming it's Laura, but she sees someone oh, standing like, in the dark in the kitchen. Yeah. Like a girl figure. In, like, the shadows. Like, I thought it was, like, down a hallway that she could see from the kitchen. Okay. I thought it was just, like, in the dark corner of the kitchen. Either way, it's it's a distance from her, and she's looking towards the dark. And in the dark, you see this female figure. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that I did a huge jump scare, and that scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, but then we meet her fiancé. First, I thought it was her husband. I said boyfriend. Yeah, but she, they do define them as, as her fiance. fiance. Yep. And at the beginning, I thought he was very supportive. Yeah. I was like, hey, what a catch. He's 
dressed all fancy. Like, what does he do? Is he a lawyer? We never find out. No. He seems very professional. They have a gorgeous house. Mm -hmm. She's a doctor. She's a psychiatrist. He seems like a a professional. Mm -hmm. But he's he's just supportive of her. Gives her a hug. He talks to her. And I just, I wrote down, like, you know, he's supportive. I underlined it saying, like, this is good because not all characters in these films have that supportive person Person. by their side. Mm -hmm. It's just what I thought at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, How'd that work out for you? Mm. Okay. <laughs> and then they do a double date dinner with um, Rose's sister, Holly. Yep. And Holly's husband, Greg. Who is the worst. Yeah. Holly's up there, though. Okay. So, I, you know, she's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're t- she's talking about the hardships of... Uh, you know, having almost no time to herself because she's bringing her kid around to all his events uh-huh. and complaining about, um, you know, parenthood. And and I know it's hard to raise a child, um, but she did not seem to be equally looking for um, any input from her sister. Yeah, so, she just wants to bitch. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she was venting, but very seemed very self-absorbed. Um, oh, yeah. And seemed to... Th- Consider the fact that, uh, yeah, I, I thought she was somebody who seemed to think almost she was looking down on her sister. Oh, yeah. Um, Very condescending. I got that vibe, too. Yeah. They do mention, though, at this dinner that uh, they still own their family home. Um, right. Which is where the mother died at the beginning yep. that you heard about. And, and Rose, who witnessed the mother dying, is the one holding on to it. Yeah. She's refusing to sell. They want to tear, tear the home down, sell the land. And Rose is refusing. So Mm -hmm. neither one of them live in the house, but they do own the home still. Right. And if she was about 10, we're talking 20 something years ago. Yeah. Easily. Um, So this is a long time for it just to sit there, uh, you know, uninhabited. Yeah. Um, We also don't ever get an explanation of who then raised the girls after they were 10. Because a father was never mentioned. Right. There were no other family members introduced saying they went to an aunt or a grandparent or something Mm. or foster system. Well, Holly was already out of the house when this happened. I didn't get the impression that she was. I got the impression she was older and always leaving. But I was thinking teenager, like 16, not necessarily moved out. I was thinking that she just. Oh, because they have that conversation on the porch where she says. I'm sorry I left you in that house. I had to get out of there. Right. But I wasn't thinking moving. I was thinking oh, like she was just I was leaving. thinking she moved out. Mm. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I didn't think of that. Who did raise them? Yeah. So we, we don't get that. So we don't story. know. And then shortly after, she ends up going. So this is Rose ends up going back to uh, her work. So she goes back to. The yeah. Hospital. So she goes back to the hospital. And the detective from yesterday is there. Joel. Yep. Uh, And my only note about it is, oh, this is definitely an (laughs) ex-boyfriend. I, yeah. And we didn't get that from the initial meeting with him. He was one of the cops who was there to interview her after Laura's. I had no inkling that they knew each other then. I don't know if I just wasn't paying it close enough attention. I don't think it was. uh, He even came back and said, you know, I was just in the area. I'm here for a call. I, I didn't want to say anything yesterday. And like, he kind of introduced it as, you know, I wanted to talk to you one-on-one kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did get the impression like ex boyfriend, ex, mm-hmm. um, something that seemed right. really significant. 
And um, as she's walked, so now she's like, okay, I don't have time for you right now. And so she goes, <laughs> she walks down towards her office and she's passing like patient rooms and you could see like this patient is in the room with whatever. And she walks by the next door and you see that guy, Carl, from the beginning, sitting straight up in his bed, facing the door and smiling with the biggest, creepiest smile you've ever seen. So she backs up. Hey, man, what's up? <laughs> and that's when. Yeah, he had the quote there. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. Over yeah. And, over. Um, and so she ends up calling for help. And asking people to come restrain him because she's saying that he is violent. Right. Aggressive. Yeah. Aggressive. But when they come in, he is back to laying on his side, facing the window like this never happened. Yeah. But they still come in and tackle him and start, you know, uh, tying him and restraining him. Restraining him. him, Yeah. And that's when she the next scene, I think, is when she's talking to her supervisor. Dr. Kumar. (laughs) To sigh. Which I kind of felt like he... Almost, so I use the word bullied in my notes, and I don't think that's exactly the right word, but kind of persuades her to say, maybe I was overreacting. Yeah, I did think that he kind of pushed her in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also the conversation where he uh, does give her a paid week off to focus on her own mental health. Which is amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that was actually... A I wish possible. my boss would come out one day and be like, hey, you seem stressed. Take a week off paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I mean, I thought his reaction there was good. Mm-hmm. That he wasn't suspending her. He wasn't uh, right, reprimanding right, her. Right. He was simply saying, you know, it's things seem to be out of control. And this, I think, where he mentioned, um, you know, the workaholic piece again. And, and that she just needs to hit the brakes a little bit. Um, I also noted that the color pink and red was showing up a lot around here. So the hallways in their psych unit are painted like Pepto-Bismol pink. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> her her car that she's in uh, is red, red, but around the door, it always looks pink when she's getting in and out of it. There was something pink in the background. Um, even when she bought the train and it panned down to like the smiling picture of the families, mm-hmm. the edging was all done in pink. Like, I don't know. I just started seeing that color. Repeating, oh, so I wrote that down. Uh, it definitely jumps out in the psych ward because the hallways are this yeah, yeah. pink all over the place. So the first thing she does with her week off is go to a hobby shop because her nephew likes trains, mm-hmm. which we found out at the dinner um, and his birthday party is Saturday and Rose was supposed to be working and wasn't going to go. Now she gets this, we assume, toy train for the nephew and goes home to wrap it. And all hell breaks this. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> um, so she does have another glass of wine here. Yep. And uh, the noise gets pretty intense in this one. All of a sudden the intruder alarm goes off. Right. Um, and it's very, very loud. And she ends up dropping and shattering the second glass. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. So that happens right there. And she immediately goes to get the scissors, but not her phone, which is right next to it. What are we doing? What? What's <sighs> the plan here? Yep. I don't. I'm sorry. But at this point, I'm not on board with, with anything with her. 
Like, I mean, I have, I have left her plan a while ago, mm-hmm. but at this point, mm-hmm. I'm done. So intruder alarms going off. You're home alone. Now we've got the home invasion piece coming in. I I can't. Right. Um, the phone rings. Oh, very scream feeling to me. Yeah. Like something scary is already happening. You're already on edge. The phone rings. You shouldn't be afraid of a phone ringing. Right. But it's terrifying. Yeah. In this moment. And it's so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and she picks it up. And of course, it's the alarm company asking for the password. Um, and she's explaining what happened. And the alarm company rep is like, are you sure there's nobody in the house? She's like, no, I don't think so. She's like, are you sure? Look behind you, Rose. And I was like, oh, yep. No, it's, but it's even creepier because I wrote down what they said. Are you sure you didn't let something in? And then they said, look behind you, Rose. I freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) I did not like this part. I did not like, I didn't like anything about this part. Hated it. Uh, I actually really liked this part. No, I hated it. Because then she hangs up the phone, I think, and then doesn't the phone ring again and it's the actual company calling? Yeah. So now she's hallucinating, like, for sure. 100% she's hallucinating. Her fiancé does come home, and I noted that he seems less supportive uh, than I had thought at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I thought before he was very supportive of her. And in here... He was less supportive. He was not believing and he wasn't listening to her. Um, but she ends up apologizing for venting. Yeah. She's, like she says, I'm sorry a lot throughout the film. And yep. this is at one point where I'm like, don't apologize for this. Right. You've gone through an upsetting night. You potentially had somebody, an intruder in your home or trying to get in your home. You had a scary phone call. Yeah. yeah I, I did have, I did make note though when. The fiance, Trevor, is that his name? I just called him fiance. I think, I think his name is Trevor. She's putting the cat food into the bowl and she makes a comment like, can you try and find mustache? I haven't seen him for a while. And my note is, oh, that cat's dead for sure. <laughs> um, I just wrote on lost cat. You can't. No, I, was, I said, yeah, mustache is dead for sure. Probably ran away because you named him Mustache, you dicks. <laughs> so. I mean, that open door was not a good sign for Mustache. Right. Um, what did I write? I wrote down swirling image. What is that? Uh, there's a flashback to her mom. Could be that. And she like. Are they doing, is it like, was the actual thing going in a circle? Like the actual image was. Swirling? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I had then. I'm like swirling image. I don't know. Um, yeah. And then she sits down and she actually listens to a recording of her session with Laura when she died. She's got the headphones on and she's listening to this at night by herself. Dumb. Yeah. And she, she does think she hears a whisper of her name Mm -hmm. throughout it. Mm -hmm. So, and she's like, wait, did that just, and she rewinds it and turns up the volume and you hear it go. Hogan did not like it at all. <laughs> it is super creepy. And Hogan's my dog. So she's on my side on this one, right? Wasn't super creepy. And then <laughs> she goes back to play it again. And there's nothing because the thing's right next to her screaming Rose in her ear. Yeah. Uh, so Laura, the real, I guess, Laura, not the recording, not the voice and the thing. A real version of her 
jumps at her from the side Mm -hmm. and says her name. Mm -hmm. And I jumped so bad. Mm -hmm. So scary. Yeah. Um, That was a good jump scare. That was a very good jump scare. They did a great job with that one. Scared the shit Mm -hmm. out of me. Because I don't, I don't like the voices. I don't like the fact that she just kept rewinding and slowing it down. It's like, right. there's going to be something jump out of the right. computer. I did not expect it to be something in her home that jumped right at her. Yeah. Uh, that was a little unnecessary, but they did a, <laughs> a great job with it. A little rude, but okay. A little bit. Um, and the next thing that happened is Rose went to her therapist and I wrote, thank God, next to it. Yeah. And I was like, she's actually going to go talk to somebody. Hopefully they're going to be listening to her. She needs to get this off her chest. Yep. Um, I thought it was a good move that she approached her therapist. Then we find out she approached her therapist because she just wanted medication. For drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she does admit what she's been seeing and hearing. Um, and the therapist wants to um, resume regular sessions mm-hmm. and wait on prescribing meds until they kind of get a better sense of what's going on. Right. Um, And she's like, you're not a psychotic. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But like she is a psychiatrist. So like if she's telling you she's having these symptoms and needs something to help manage them, give her the fucking drugs. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. But I, I don't know. We don't know the last time she... Went to therapy. True. So it could have been three years ago. Mm -hmm. She shows up on a therapist's front door and says, I'd like drugs. Right. I can understand her therapist saying, (laughs) I'll take one drugs, please. (laughs) Why don't we hold off until we talk a little bit more and then maybe see if if it's necessary. But Mm -hmm. I can totally understand like not using your therapist as a drug dealer. Um, Okay. Okay. I also had a note here when she was putting makeup on. Does she look a little like Jim Carrey? I did not have that note. And I looked her up afterwards. And in fact, she is the daughter of Kevin Bacon. (laughs) So I didn't get that either. I did not see that coming. (laughs) Um, Second scary movie with the bacon in it then. Because we watched um, Friday the 13th already. Oh, my God. That was Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And we were surprised to see Kevin Bacon. You're right. (laughs) We're terrible at this. Jesus. Uh, Yeah. Oh, but then they ruined Happy Birthday. That happened. That was a terrible scene. That happened right after this. She's trying to get the meds. It doesn't work out for her. She ends up going to her nephew's birthday party mm-hmm. with her wrapped gift, mm-hmm. showing up super awkward, very introverted, just not really talking to other Interacting people. Interacting with anybody. No, yeah. She comes in super awkward. Um, and during all this, uh, as they're singing happy birthday, the song gets suspended. And mm-hmm. it's really weird. It's yeah. just... It, Almost distorted. Yeah. But you see the mouths moving. Everybody's Mm -hmm. continuing to sing, but it just kind of like stopped on one note. Yeah. And that's all we're hearing. So it's almost the impression like, is that what Rose is hearing or is it just really for our benefit to creep us out? Yeah. Um, Did not appreciate that. So they Mm -hmm. ruined happy birthday and then they ruined presents after. Okay. So he's so excited to open this present. You see the train box and just... The way that he opens it, I immediately was like, what's in the box? Seven. (laughs) What's in the box? (laughs) Don't open the box. This is bad. This is traumatic. Yeah. And this dumb kid picks it up and pulls it out to show everybody a dead mustache the cat. Um. 
It was supposed to be a train. It was not a train. Did it have scissors in its neck? It had something in blood all over it. So I thought it was the scissors that she was wrapping with. It could have been. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And she is, of course, screaming and claiming, you know, it's it's not for me. I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, and she also sees uh, one of the guests smiling, doing the creepy smile there. Mm-hmm. And during this whole thing, she's backing away, oh. saying, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Uh-huh. And she ends up falling through a glass table and uh, cutting up both her arms. So I had that that was Laura. The creepy smiling one? That she was seeing. Could have been. I just thought yeah. it was a guest who had the creepy smile on their face. But it was somebody sitting on a chair. Because I wrote, uh, oh, great. Dead ass mustache and dead ass smiling Laura. <laughs> um, but yeah, she stumbles backwards and... Falls through the glass table. So now she has to go to the ER. The ER. But I was initially waiting for that to like snap back to the happy birthday song. Like, yeah. I thought all of this can't possibly be happening. Right. This has to be one of her psychotic breaks. And and we're going to find out right after that, you know, mm-hmm. everything's okay. And here's the train. And she's the only one who thought all this stuff happened. Uh, no. Nope. This, they stuck with it. Yep, that um, really happened. That was a uh, surprise there. So she's being treated at the ER. And I made a note of this, like, weird interaction at the hospital between Holly and Trevor. Rose is looking out the door or whatever, mm-hmm. and she sees her sister in the hallway and Trevor talking. But just, like, the way that they're gesturing at each other felt like, wait, What's happening here? Like, what are they talking about? And we never came back to that. No. Which is rude. (laughs) Um, I had in here that she's, you know, she's talking about something is threatening her and following her. And how do you not sound crazy while trying to convince someone that that's true? Mm. Um, Which is the same thing. Like Laura was trying to convince her at the very beginning Mm -hmm. that this is this is happening and this is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's a PhD candidate and saying, like, I'm not a crazy person. This is not my normal bar. Right. Um, And now Rose is going through the same thing. And as a psychiatrist, she's also aware of of what the other side is like. And so she's used to hearing this kind of thing. And now how does she convince somebody it's real? Mm -hmm. I have no idea no. how you actually sit there and convince someone that you're seeing things they're not seeing. Um, and she does point out, you know, it's not a ghost. It's something else. And she's talking. This is, I guess, Trevor. I just kept calling him fiance. But when they come home, she was saying, you know, I'm not crazy. But she did keep saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Her initial reaction was to apologize for what she was experiencing and for the issues it was causing other people. It's like, this is right. a legitimate problem right now right. that you're going through. So I didn't like that piece too. I almost took that as like, because Trevor looked like visibly scared. Mm. So I took it as her being like, like, I'm sorry, I know this is scary for you. But also, th- this is happening to me. Okay. You know what I mean? And I didn't take it as nicely as that. I took it as her apologizing for, yeah, for oh, what she, she was yeah, bringing. She to definitely table. has that um, kind of throughout the whole thing. Like she would lash out and then immediately be like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry." Right. She yeah. did that to her sister, and she did it. Yes, her and her sister over the phone mm-hmm. uh, the day after they had the dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, her sister called to apologize. And she said she should be apologizing. She doesn't know why she said that. So it's 
uh, she apologizes, you know, half a dozen times throughout the movie to different people. And, yeah. And one time she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just venting. I'm sorry. I was just, and I'm like, just, just vent. Yeah. Just, you know, experience whatever this insanity is that's happening to you right now. But you don't have to apologize for it. Right. You didn't do anything. Right. Um, right. So I thought that was, that was an interesting piece that they continued to do. Um, and that the fiance points out in this one, and this was a tough one to swallow, that mental illness is genetic. Yeah. But and the way he said this made me so mad. It, it was condescending. Uh, and it was very much like he was looking down on mental illness. Yeah. And wanted to separate himself from it. Yeah. Uh, well, do you blame me for looking into it? I wanted to know what I was getting myself tied into or whatever he said. Yeah. Yeah. F this guy. What the hell? Right. So the backstory there is that he knows that her mother had mental illness and assuming some sort of depression because she did end up taking her own life um, with pills. Mm -hmm. And so she overdosed. And so he knows this. And before he got engaged to the daughter, Rose, Looked up the mental illness side to see, you know, will she also have this? Mm-hmm. So with the understanding, is he finding out so he knows how to deal with things and that he would, or is he finding out saying, I'm out? Yeah. And I got the I'm out version. Me like, too. Especially because that night he ends up sleeping on the couch. Right. Um, and I just put a note, you know, she needs him right now. Right. And instead of being there and supporting her, he is separating himself yep. from her and, and distancing. And I did not. I don't like that. I stopped liking him. Yep. Me too. At this point. Um, and when she's in the bedroom by herself, there's a dark open closet right next to her. Yeah. I um, would. And I know you're going to say the same thing. I would have every damn light on. Every light. <laughs> like. Every light stays on. Every, you know, even the closet lights stay on mm-hmm. and the closet doors can all stay open. But there's nothing. I don't want anything that has a shadow to hide. Right. Right. Nothing. Um, also, she has zero friends mm. um, in the entire film. She has a fiance. We don't know how they met. Right. She has a sister who they have clearly a love hate relationship. Yeah. And at this point, no relationship going mm-hmm. forward. Brother-in-law is who's a dick and has no balls because his sister holds them. Right. Um, and that's it. Those are all her connections. Yeah. She has co-workers that she seems to be friendly with, but friendly, but only there. At None work. of them call her to check in. Right. None of them appear with a coffee or, or meet up or anything. So she doesn't even seem to have somebody to call. Yeah. To talk to. Um, she has her therapist that hasn't doesn't seem like somebody she's been seeing in a long time. Um, so I guess I was, that piece came up there too, of if you don't have your fiance to talk to, who do you have to talk to? Well, right. Um, and so, and I think that that's what she starts to search for. Um, I did have in here that, so she's in bed and hears somebody saying, come here. Yeah. Rose, come here from the dark closet. There's a voice coming out of it. No, thanks. And you know what she does? Goes to sleep. <laughs> she pulls the whimsical Kelly. She shuts off all the lights. She tucks herself in and she goes to sleep. Just pretend it's not happening. I wrote, fuck no. Uh, and there's a creeper in the doorway that says, please help me. Yeah. So I made a note that she was hearing her mother's voice from when she was dying. So like this was our first clue 
that it's not that she found her mother dead. Yeah. Like they led us to believe. <laughs> um, she was still alive and asking for help. Yes. But we haven't seen that yet. Right. But we're hearing these, yep. these pieces, which do bring us to that scene later. Yep. In the meantime, though, she goes to the, um, the dead professor's widow's house. Yeah. To learn a little bit more about him. She's starting to piece this together that the professor, yep. yeah, the professor who took his own life with a hammer um, may have been seeing things mm-hmm. prior to because Laura, the one who witnessed his suicide, she was seeing these things, describing them and then ends up dying mm-hmm. in front of Rose. Now Rose is seeing all these things. So she's Obviously, she's seeing a pattern. Right. And she wants to see how far back it goes. So she goes to talk to the widow. She finds out that he was on edge. He was paranoid. Uh, He woke up screaming and he was talking to himself. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they do give us a little quick view of his destroyed face because that was rough. It was very rough. It was gruesome. And he had committed suicide using a hammer. Yeah. So it was very much like blunt force trauma to the face and so i'm not sure we had to see it but we did Mm -hmm. and again so mrs nunez is like oh let me show you no thank you but okay Mm -hmm. uh and we see that our husband was drawing the things that he saw and she points out he had a brother Mm -hmm. that he saw die yeah, 20 years ago, I think she said. Okay. So I, I I feel like that's a piece to it, but they never really talk about it. But she said he was fine. And this is where I was like, oh, they're going to go there. Because she said he was completely fine. Uh, oh, no, that's not where that wasn't the, the piece that caused all this, though. No, so, right, right, right. Yeah, he, he had seen his brother uh, die in an accident years ago. His entire office is papered with drawings of Mm -hmm. what he was seeing around him. Yep. So all these creepy drawings, the smiles on them, she points out, this is what she said. He said it looked like, and it was a whole dark drawing with a big smile in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, But the professor had witnessed a suicide. Right. uh, And um, had the symptoms since then. And that was since his last annual conference that he had gone to. Right. So there's a conference he went to. Somebody committed suicide um, in the hotel, did they say? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. So someone in the hotel committed suicide. And that's when he kind of picked up this right. entity with him. So um, he must have witnessed the actual suicide. And at this point, Rose pushes way too hard and gives way too much information and gets her ass thrown out of the Munoz. Well, Munoz. Munoz. <laughs> she showed up to their house, though, claiming to be a reporter. Mm-hmm. And so the wife lets her in, starts telling his stories, giving her all this information, and then finds out that she's not a reporter. She's a psychiatrist, and she's actually going through and suffering the same symptoms and now the woman wants her out because yep. I think, you know, she's been taken advantage of. Right. Uh, I think she was in the right on this one mm-hmm. um, and probably did not want anything to do with someone else who was saying that they're experiencing this. Yeah. Uh, I would have not let her in in the first place, but mm-hmm. certainly would have kicked her out by then. So she gets tossed out and immediately goes to Joel, the ex-boyfriend cop. And this is where I was like, oh. He loves her for real. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really just 
trauma dumping everything at him. And he, I thought, took it as, as well as anybody could. <laughs> I, I put down, you know, she goes to him for help. And why isn't she with him? I said, because yeah. she she does. She comes out and she doesn't just vent, but she gives him, this is everything I've experienced. This is the backstory to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he does seem to take it pretty much in stride. Um, and she asks for help. She says, yeah, right. I need your here, cop. You have access to yes. police records. I need to find I out. I need you to look up all of these cases, but don't ask me any questions about right. it. Ask me nothing. But <laughs> she starts with the woman who committed suicide in front of the professor. Yeah. And finds out her name was Angela Powell. Um, she was the woman who died. She witnessed a suicide four days earlier, he finds out, by searching for her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he... That's where he realized that Rose is part of the pattern. And how can she break it becomes a question. Um, so that's uh, that's an interesting interaction with them because yeah. he was willing to help her and yeah. to jump in and to let her stay. So she leaves Joel's house with printouts of this information and goes home to start sorting through it. But when she gets home, she finds Trevor and her therapist. Yes. And she gets angry with her fiance for calling the therapist to the house instead of listening to her, which I thought was very valid. Yeah. Um, I'm with her on this. Yeah. Um, So she kind of snaps at both of them and storms out. And okay, well, if I can't go to my fiance, where can I go where somebody will listen to me? Oh, I know my sister. Who loves me no matter what and will always be there and listen to me. Okay. They clearly have a love-hate relationship. Yeah. She has just gifted her sister's son a dead cat. Uh-huh. And then started screaming in the middle of a birthday party, crashed through a glass table, had to go to the ER, which we're not sure if it involved an ambulance coming to a kid's birthday party. Yeah. Um, so there had to have been blood and glass and mm-hmm. trauma and a dead cat. And she's still going to this house expecting, like, open arms. Yeah. Um, that was ballsy to me. <laughs> but it also shows me she has nobody else. She has else. nowhere else to go, yeah. Um, um, I don't know why she left Joel's. But right. So Greg uh, answers the door, and he's kind of a douche. <laughs> um, but Holly's like, no, no, I'll, I'll talk to her. It's fine. And she goes outside to talk to her. But as Rose is carrying on, Holly makes the comment that you sound like mom. Yep. This is how mom was at the end. And that you've traumatized my son. Yeah. She does apologize for leaving her with their mom Mm -hmm. at the end and leaving her to find her mom. Yeah. Um, But she did say she can't have her around her son right now. Right. So, uh, you know, she she makes these comments and we get a little clearer picture of what was going on with these girls as children. Um, but she's also very much kind of cutting her off, at least cutting her off from her son. So yeah. maybe that she's still accessible outside of the house. Mm. Um, but at this point, it's kind of, you know, we need a little break, right. time apart. Right. So she goes to the car and her sister comes out. I was not happy. This was another big jump scare for me. To the window, to the car window. And Rose starts to like apologize again but you can only see holly from like the chest down because she's standing next to the car and then her head just like i don't know i don't even know how to describe it it's like her neck went like gumby yeah 
<laughs> and then her head flips down upside down. Yeah. And it was not cool. And I screamed so bad. Yeah. And Rose is in the car just screaming. Mm -hmm. And her nephew is watching from the window. Yeah. So her traumatized nephew is now watching his aunt. Re-traumatized. Yes. Screaming and swearing inside the car, outside the house. Um, But we have seen what Rose has seen. And I screamed too. So (laughs) I'm okay with that reaction. Um, I did say it was it was a fucked up broken neck at the car. <laughs> yeah, that was I didn't I didn't see it coming. So that was unpleasant. Um, her next move, this is another classic Kelly move. Oh, dear, find a diner, just throw some fries at it, <laughs> and it'll be fine. Stay in, stay in a well lit shiny diner, <laughs> and everything's good. Yep. My next thing was that Joel calls her back. Mm-hmm. And he's connected this pattern to 20 past cases. He believes her. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what she needs. Yep. She needs somebody on her side who's going to believe her and not think the worst of her, like her fiance has been or her sister has been. And thinking that she's, you know, going down this troubled path that their, her mom went through. Right. Um, so he believes her. He's seeing the pattern. And. Um, and she finds, well, he found it for her, the only survivor of the curse. Right. Um, um so she this guy kind of, had murdered somebody, um, but he survived this, whatever this is. Uh, he confessed to this murder though. So he's in jail. So the only way she can get to him is through Joel who just loves her. <laughs> Joel. Yeah. Joel gets her 10 minutes, uh, to go meet with this survivor is what I would call him. Mm-hmm. So he did. He murdered somebody in front of a witness. Mm-hmm. And that's what passed it on to the witness. Right. So he got it off his back. He yep. didn't kill himself. He killed someone else. Yep. And, and he had found that that was a way to break the chain because he researched it like crazy and found this had happened once in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And that this is how the chain was broken. So he was like, oh, dope. I'll just murder somebody. And it'll skip me, but I'll probably spend the rest of my life in jail. And yeah, because you have to have a witness. You have to have a right. witness who survives. So it's it's not like nobody saw this. Right. Um, and he does tell her the only way to get rid of it is to kill someone in front of a witness with a big mess, he said, mm-hmm. uh, because it feeds on trauma. Right. So you have to really traumatize the person who's witnessing the death. Right. But she has this little outburst where she's like, I can't murder somebody. And he immediately flips out like, whoa, lady, no give backs. What do you mean you can't murder somebody? Because mm-hmm. she went in under the pretense that she's this doctor and has a patient who's been experiencing X, Y, Z. So now he knows that that's actually not the case uh, and doesn't want to talk to her anymore. Yeah, he freaks out real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pulling back on the chains. He's asking the... Um, the guards to come get him. Yep. He wants nothing to do with her. And and it's understandable. We've seen what she's been seeing. And so, you know, that he lived through that and he does not want to go back to it. And I, I get it. Yeah. No, <laughs> I get it too. I'm with him on that one. Yep. But it's interesting that he was able to research this and find that there was a chain like this in Brazil. There mm-hmm. is this chain here. This is a part that I did not like the movie for. It doesn't have enough backstory for me. So we don't understand still now, what is this entity? Right. What is it trying to do? Why does it smile? Why, you know, what I, I don't, I don't understand it. What's the motive? What is yeah. what's happening? What here? is it? Um, yeah. What is it? Why is it? Who started it? 
is there another way to defeat it? You know, it's so I, I definitely had questions. But yeah, I, I thought that was interesting that it's uh, it has had a past in other locations right. too. And now I'm wondering, you know, is she considering suicide or homicide now? Right. Uh, what is her plan? Yeah. Rose tells Joel that the guy said nothing. Mm-hmm. He's out of his fucking mind. Why doesn't she confide in him? Yeah. She has told him everything else up till this yeah. point. She doesn't confide in him the fact that she might be able to murder somebody. Well, because he's a cop. I get would talk her out of it. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, she's just keeping it close to the vest, I think, for now. You know, she's getting calls from her therapist. She's sending her to voicemail. She's getting all these texts from Trevor that she's not responding to. And she gets home and her therapist shows up at the front door. Yeah. And my note says, convince me you're not a danger. <laughs> I had the therapist shows up and then I had what happened right after. So she's pissed that her therapist is showing up. Mm-hmm. She explains that to her therapist when mm-hmm. she's like, you know, tell me what's going on in your life. And she's like, I have a fiance who doesn't believe me. I have a therapist who's showing up uh, or a past therapist who's showing up unannounced. Yep. Um, and so she's on edge and the phone rings and the therapist looks at it for a moment and then asks her like, don't do you want to get that? And so she picks up the phone and on the phone is her therapist. And we don't like that. (laughs) Yep. Nope. Don't like that at all. Uh, And then the therapist does the smile Mm -hmm. uh, and in a very creepy voice, which now we've got a creepy thing on the face, which is one of my things. And the creepy voice is another Uh, creepy voice says it's almost time rose. Yep. I was not okay with any of that. Right. And it touches her. And I think that's the first time we see that. Like physical contact? It, yeah. And it was a therapist. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So I, I didn't like anything about that. Right. <laughs> uh, that, didn't, that did not work for me. She does go back to work then. Well. Uh, kind of. With the, the kitchen knife up her sleeve. Oh, yes. With a knife. She, so we're planning a murder. Yep. And she arrives at work, and I have a comment here that she is looking more like a patient by this point. Yeah. Um, so earlier in the movie, she has always like a tight low bun. She's wearing light blues in the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. In the first few scenes, she's wearing light blue, nice professional clothes. Always looks controlled. The words she says, the way she walks, yep. everything is very controlled. Now she's got the messy hair. She's wearing dark clothes. She's very erratic. Um, so it's it's a physical change to her as well as uh, the mental strain she's going through. Right. So now when she arrives at work in this appearance, she looks more like a patient to me. Um, and there's a whole dream sequence that happens. We don't know it's a dream at the time. Right. Where she actually goes in and she stabs Carl in yep. front of Dr. Desai. In front of Dr. Kumar. Yeah. Who uh, then screams. Peels his face off. Yeah. And that's when she's back in the car and we realize, okay, dream sequence. Yep. So that didn't. But then Dr. Desai is really there. Yep. Checking on her. He turns into bloody Carl with all the blood in his mouth for a minute. Yeah. And Rose is like, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just need to be alone. And like the light bulb goes on. She's like, I just need to be alone. Yeah. And that's I had my prediction there. And I had it earlier, too, that they're going to go to the childhood home. Right. Because there was no reason they would mention that at the dinner, that they still have this house. If right. the house wasn't going to be 
playing into a scene. Somewhere. Exactly. So I was kind of excited about that. Cause I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we'll find out more and, and what's going on. Um, but when she shows up, there's no lights. It's abandoned. It's decrepit. Come back tomorrow. Come back with Joel or with, yeah, Joel, right? He's a guy. Yeah. Come back with Joel. Um, don't do what you're going to do, but, but she does it. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, she like clearly just didn't think this through. Like they haven't been keeping up with the house. So there's no electricity. Um, there's bad, there's flashlights, but no batteries. Um, but, oh, there's this kerosene lamp. That sounds like a good idea. I'll just light this and carry it around with me. Hmm. This whole scene had big final destination vibes for me. <laughs> like when he goes to that cabin to try and escape death. Is that on our list? You know, I gotta be honest. I'm not sure I watched the whole first one oh, and I've man. never seen sequels. We're watching the first one. I do sure. remember something where now when I drive by like logs and or pipes and stuff in trucks that yeah. I, I don't want to be right behind it. Yep. So pass that motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but I had here, she's physically revisiting her own trauma. Yes. Um, Cause the guy, he, he did explain to her that it feeds on trauma. The film really is all about trauma. Yes. Um, but here she's, she's physically revisiting the trauma. She's going down the same hallway that she did as a 10 year old where her mother was dead. She's in the same house where her sister was, you know, leaving her with her mom. Right. Um, she who, thinks for whatever reason that she has to face whatever this is. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's seeking it out. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I do not recommend. No. Mm -hmm. I had leave written in circle three times on this uh, page. Shocker. <laughs> um, but this is where we find out about what actually happened. Mm -hmm. So when the film started... We see that her mother is dead on a bed and there's a girl at the doorway. Right. So we're assuming she came and she found her that way. But what we find out is that her mother was laying on the bed and she was calling out to Rose right. for, uh, help. for help. Yeah. And young Rose refused um, and now feels responsible and says that she has been living with that guilt um, for the rest for her whole life. Mm -hmm. Um She's walking around the a dark haunted house with a lantern. I have that. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, door hinges creak. Right. And Coming she, from the mom room. Yep. And she goes to investigate, which I, I that was again one of my points right. that I wrote leave. We don't. Well, that's one of our cardinal <laughs> rules: do not investigate. No. Um. And the ghost mom, her quote is, "I'm so sorry." So yeah, she apologized, which she should have apologized to the daughter. I thought, yes, for sure. I thought she, because the way that they set it up where she's sitting on the bed mm -hmm. with her head down, I thought when she looked up, she was going to have that. The smile. That smile. Yeah. But instead, it's like, really, her mom uh, just apologizing for being such a shitty mother. Um, yeah. And uh -huh. Rose says, like you were a monster. Yeah. She was said she was, you know, at 10 years old, she was scared of her. Um, and yeah, she was, she was scared of her mom and said she was a monster and she has felt guilty since, but now she, in that moment, she said she forgives herself. Yeah. Um, cause the mom is asking, why did you let me die? Right. And she does say there's something terrible in me. Why did you let me die? 
And she does say, I'm so sorry. Um, so Rose is having this kind of like heart to heart with her mother and they're both explaining their actions and they're, they're both in a way, you know, trying to handle that trauma that, that Rose went through. But then the ghost mom turns creepy and explains, you know, your mind is so inviting. Yeah. So she is now taking the twist and become the darker creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like grows huge to like this huge mom monster that's like chasing her down. But when they show her face, it's not her. It's like a different face. And it reminded me of um, in The Conjuring, which we will be watching. Um, I remember reading that when they were uh, filming scenes with like the witch that they used that they just found like a really <laughs> ugly man <laughs> and put a wig on him. And that's what made it so scary. And it gave me like this kind of vibe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like 10 feet tall and kind of, it's like a little slender man. Oh yeah. To it. Yeah. Uh, like long limbs had to sort of duck through the doorways mm-hmm. and everything. It was very creepy, but it also had a creepy distorted voice when it yeah. was saying things like your mind is so inviting. Yeah. Um, and this is when Rose burns the damn house down. Yeah, she like breaks this thing's arm, which yep. it was trying. How? Yeah, this thing is trying to choke her, trying to to kill her, mm-hmm. and she fights it off. She suddenly has this like inner strength to say, "No, I'm. Not, this is not how I'm going out." Breaks the thing's arm. It's screaming, and she lights it on fire. Yep. Whatever this big thing is, lights it on fire using the kerosene lamp. And then it, in turn, by, you know, flailing around, starts lighting the things in the house house on fire. fire. Yeah. So she, Rose gets out and then you're seeing the fire spread throughout the entire house and the windows popping open. And And you really think like she stopped it because she says that it's her mind. So you can't escape it either. Mm. So she thinks that by doing this, she's trapping it in herself. That's a possibility. I also thought this was kind of her uh, dealing with her own trauma. Well, yeah. You know, she's burning down the house. She has now conversed with her mom, mm-hmm. um, has forgiven herself, is physically burning down the house where mm-hmm. this all happened. Um, you know, so it's a sense of letting go and, and closure. Not the end of the movie, though. Mm-mm. No. They could have rolled credits right there. So she goes to Joel who is not Joel because he then gets that Mm. creepy ass smile. Yeah. But before that, when she went to him, she was talking about how she has kept walls up and kept people at a distance. Yeah. And Joel seems so accepting, um, but really was the monsters, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she, she's running away from him uh, because she she had gone to his house or his His apartment. apartment, Yep. She is talking to him. She is admitting all these things, kind of breaking down her walls and, you know, revealing herself to him. And, Mm -hmm. and he does seem very accepting of everything, but then we find, you know, he's got the creepy look on his face and she's like, Oh fuck, you're not real. Right. So Um, she runs out the door, but when she runs out the door, (sighs) she's running from, Inside Joel's apartment to outside her childhood home. Yes. So, oh, nothing was real. Yeah. So the house did not burn down. Mm -mm. She was not at Joel's apartment. Mm -mm. 
So now it's it's a question of, you know, did what happened at all? Right. Um, and then the giant version of the creature climbs inside of her. Is yeah. So it like opens its mouth and there's so many teeth. Yes, it's got like seven smiles. Rows and rows and rows of teeth inside. I did not care for that. And yeah, it crawls. It like pries Rose's mouth open and crawls inside of it. Joel is there trying to get into the house. Mm -hmm. How do we think he found her? I mean, he went to her childhood home. That's what I'm saying. How did he know to go there? That's a good question. Like, did he ping her phone? Um, He's a cop. Yeah. Or has he tried just everywhere? Right. Intuition. (laughs) He just knows her so well. Mm. Um, So, yeah. He's trying to over pretty good. He's trying to get in. Finally busts the door down. And finds Rose just dousing herself in kerosene. Mm -hmm. And when she turns around. She's got the creepy ass smile on her face. And a box of matches in her hand, mm-hmm. which she like flicks open in a non-human way mm-hmm. uh, and lights herself on fire with this creepy, creepy smile on her face. And now Joel witnesses her suicide. <sighs> yep. So the curse will continue. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to credits. Yeah. The end. Why? First- and, and it starts playing that song Lollipop from the 50s. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> but then after Lollipop, it gets... To super creepy <laughs> end credit movies. And I wrote down, what the fuck did I just watch? Nightmare Fuel. Absolute Nightmare Fuel. Yeah, this was a really good one. I'm glad that uh, somebody suggested this one. Yes, somebody I work with suggested this one, said that it, it creeped him out. And I said, okay, we're, we're going to watch it. Yep. So if you guys have movies that creep you out, just let us know because... So we can get creepy. We'll do it. Why not? Um, this one definitely falls under the, what the fuck was I thinking? Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to sleep well tonight. Right. Um, at all. Even though we watched it during the day. Kind of. Now it's... it's now it's dark. Now it's dark. It gets dark early. Um, so let's, <sighs> let's rate this. Okay. What did you give this for avoidability, Miss? I wouldn't be in that situation. How would you have not been in this situation? I would never have worked in a psych ward. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. I would not have worked in a psych ward. I never would have met Laura. I would have been fine. Oh my god! So, so what do you give it for avoidability? <sighs> like five being super avoidable? Yeah. Like a one. Yeah. So I give it a one too. These people are just are. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. You know, she, the, she went to meet with her professor. Her professor took a hammer to his head. Right. You, could, you don't you see that coming. That. The yeah. only thing I thought was avoidable was the part that I mentioned where she's on her way out and turns around because her phone was ringing. Oh, yeah. And if she hadn't. Uh, she would have been fine. We live. I mean, still traumatized from the childhood trauma, but mm-hmm. not this. Um, what do yeah. you give it for nightmare fuel? Five. Five. Yeah. I gave it a six. <laughs> Like hands down, it had. I I think it had reflection stuff at some point, but even if it didn't, it had the broken glass. It had mm-hmm. the open back door. I mean, it had pieces there that are going to get me. Mm-hmm. Uh, dead animal, not a fan of that. Uh, creepy voices, big time. Distorted faces. That was kind of the main thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, distorted faces, creepy voices. 
broken glass, somebody breaking in, the phone calls from people who are standing in front of you. I mean, nope, nope, nope. That's that's at least a five for me. Yeah, that was a, a strong six. I like <laughs> I still feel a little uneasy. I'm very <laughs> uncomfortable right now. Um, <laughs> right, Hogan? <laughs> Hogan's just sitting here staring me down. Equally traumatized, Good I'm sure. Girl. Um, she did hide her face during a couple of scenes. She, I, she literally she like burrowed under, buried her head <laughs> under the blankets, and I was like, "Take me with you." I don't think my dog likes scary movies. Uh, how about <laughs> recommendability to horror movie fans? Yes. I would give it. I would give it a four, and the only reason I'm not giving it a five is that I didn't like the lack of backstory. So I gave it a five because I don't think horror fans care. <laughs> that's, that's a you thing. It is a me thing. So I have a hard time giving it a five and recommending it to everybody if I have my own things that are my hangups on it. That's so, fair. yeah, I like the backstory. Same thing. Like if I read a book, if I watch a movie, TV, I, I want to know. You know, I don't need everybody's very long, boring backstory, but a little bit. How did they meet? How'd she meet her fiance? I didn't even catch his name. Yeah. But how did they meet? Who's Joel? What's their connection? Have they ever dated? How did this trauma thing start? I want like, um, I want an origin story on this one. I want a prequel. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I want it to be set in Brazil. I want to see what happened there. Yeah. Yeah, I I would. I would want, I want the backstory. Yeah. So... I'm Kelly, and I don't think I would have survived Smile. I'm Laura. I'm pretty sure I would have died early. Pretty sure. (laughs) And seeing how this all played out for the main character of trying to, like, duck and dodge and whatnot, mm -mm, not worth it. Just I would just stand in front of traffic and be like, take me. It's done. Like, (laughs) I don't want to be... Haunted. I don't. See, that surprises me because she. What is surprising about me not wanting to be haunted? (laughs) (laughs) Sage that shit. You wouldn't have followed a similar path because she immediately goes into research mode. Yeah. I think research mode could have happened. Mm -hmm. But I also think if that thing started actually haunting me Mm -hmm. and traumatizing me, take me out. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. I can't. That's worse to me than. Yeah, just literally the only reason that I might have survived is you wouldn't have taken that call. I wouldn't have taken that call. I would have once I'm out of work, (laughs) I think some boundaries are good. So once she was out the door, having worked like a double shift and an overnight or whatever, um, no, I would have gone home. Yeah, I probably would have picked up the phone. She was already gone. She's halfway down the hall. How did she even hear the phone ringing? I don't know, but I I probably would have picked up the phone. That's why you would have died. I know. I said I would have died early. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, can we talk about Disney movies, please? Yes. Yep. Let's make a connection to something that you can watch tonight so you can sleep tonight. Yes. And not be traumatized by smiling, creepy people. Right. So, we have, we have different... Picks this mm-hmm. week. Uh, so my movie is Snow White, which 
surprise me because it's probably my least, I'm sorry, my least favorite like Disney princess movie. Oh, I was Snow White for Halloween like two or three years I was going to say row. three years in a row. I, I still remember. have, it was a homemade Halloween costume from a family friend of ours and I still have it. That's funny. I found the costume recently when I was cleaning stuff out. I still have my, my it's about like this big. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I remember that because those same years I was She-Ra every year. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nope. I was Snow White. Good times. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason, though, is because there's a song in that movie called With a Smile and a Song. Oh, you dug deep on this one. (laughs) I... I went for what I thought was a little more obvious. Do you have any anything else on that one? Uh, No, just that the dwarves are adorable. Who doesn't love Dopey? Um, I just think that that's a good, like light ish no not at all I know <laughs> well like the part like in the cottage is light yeah except when the witch comes to the door and tries right. to sell an apple but she's also an orphan she is an orphan and something is trying to kill her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and so she uh, runs into the woods tries to isolate herself breaks into a house <laughs> <laughs> Does not burn it down. Doesn't burn it down. Cleans it. So it's it's just the opposite. We just listed a whole bunch of things that were the same until the end. <laughs> okay, so there's some connections there. So that's my pick. <laughs> I went with Cruella. Mm. And if you've seen the film, you know that the daughter has a traumatic loss uh, early on. And then she has to kind of fend for herself and find her own friends and find her own way and her own path. Uh, and then she does come back for, for retribution. So she is coming back, revisiting that, that trauma, but she is going back after the person who caused it. Mm. Uh, and so she is taking control of that situation. And I, I thought that that was a nice lighthearted way of dealing with the traumatic past Okay. theme of this movie is by pairing it up with Cruella, which also has a fucking amazing soundtrack. Um, uh, and the clothes are great. And Emma Stone's fantastic in that role. I changed my, my movie. What? <laughs> Frozen 2. Okay. Um, because she, Elsa, mm-hmm. can hear that song. Nobody else can hear it. Okay. Um, so a little bit of that, like hallucinating-ish piece. And there's a line, I think it's in this movie, not the first one, where Kristoff says something about being crazy and Anna says, wait, I'm not crazy. You think I'm crazy? (laughs) (laughs) And that's a really fun one. So that one has like real good music. Mm -hmm. um, Very feel-goodness. Olaf. Oh, uh (laughs) yeah. That's the best. The best part of that movie is when Olaf recaps the entire first movie <laughs> to the characters who weren't in the first movie. It's so good. Like, that will always <laughs> make me so happy. So that's definitely going to be my pick. Fuck Snow White. Ah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's a cute costume. I really want to watch Corolla. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Kelly. And when I am not recording this podcast and watching scary movies with Laura, you can find me hosting the had to be there podcast where we are exploring the world one story at a time. 
Uh, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Had to Be There 203. And I am Laura. And when I'm not doing this podcast, you can usually find me outside with my dog, Hogan, who is also part of our uh, our group here. Pod mascot. She has been here watching all the movies with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, you usually find me around with her um, or reading a book. So right now I'm reading Last One Alive by Amber Cowie. Over halfway through, I do recommend it. It's kind of an interesting one where somebody is doing research for a book about a potential witch. And she's got a research team who's out there with her to the home, the island where they used to live. And now some things are starting to happen to their group. So interesting, interesting read, but I do recommend it. This has been the Poltergeist and Pixie Dust podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Poltergeist and Pixie Dust and on Twitter at PolterPixiePod. Or check out our website, poltergeistandpixiedust.com, where you can see our upcoming calendar episodes so you can watch the movie beforehand and kind of follow along. I try to put in there like where it's currently streaming um, so you can find it easily. And if you'd like to email us your reactions or any movie or even book recommendations you might have, uh, you can reach us at poltergeists and pixie dust at gmail.com thank you so much for joining us bye the imdb imdb <laughs> got this imdb it's, it's letters <laughs> would you like me to read it i can do it no she can't <laughs> Could be a long ass podcast. Yeah, so he's opening Aunt Laura's Mm-mm. present. Aunt Rose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Fix that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, the kid yeah, name is Jackson. But I know. Did you notice? Yeah, that? I did. Didn't like that. Okay. I have a nephew, Jackson. <laughs> so Jackson is opening this gift from his aunt Rose. Hogan, come on out. Come here. Is there something back there smiling at you? There's nothing back there. 